0: Welcome to California Now, a podcast produced by Visit California. I'm Satirius Johnson. This episode is all about California's third largest city, San Jose. The urban center in the heart of Silicon Valley is a world renowned tech hub on the cutting edge of innovation, but it's also long been a bustling center of art, culture, diversity and creativity. We'll start off with sisters, Bianca Ashalu and Jeronica Macy, the dynamic co-founders behind popular coffee spot, Nirvana Soul.
1: That is our mission is to bring people together through the power of coffee and tea. And we want it to be accessible. We want it to be joyful. Um, We didn't want to be an intimidating coffee shop.
0: After that, we'll get a taste of authentic Mexican cuisine with chef and record producer, Joe Lerma Lopez of Luna Mexican Kitchen.
2: I just wanted to take food back to what was, and we went thousands of years back to the foundation of our ancestors, which is corn.
0: And finally, we'll chat with Daniel Garcia, founder of the San Jose-based content magazine, about the city's creative side.
3: I mean, you have the graffiti scene, but then there's the skate scene, there's the music scene. And then because of the diversity, there's also just all kinds of different Um, ethnic genres that are going on that's all coming up on california now
0: My next guests are Bianca Ashaulu and Jeronica Macy. They're the owners of Nirvana Soul Coffee, which first opened in downtown San Jose in 2020. Since then, their coffee shop has expanded to a branch in Cupertino, plus a roasting operation in North San Jose. They're also sisters who have made it their mission to bring the people of Silicon Valley together over coffee. Bianca and Jeronica, welcome to California Now.
4: Hi, thanks for having us.
0: You two say that coffee holds a special calming place in your hearts. Can you talk more about why you feel that way about coffee?
4: Yes, absolutely. So, uh, Bianca and I, along with our brother, we were raised with our great grandmother, and so one of the things that we would do um, as children, as young as the age of six, was um, have the last bit of her coffee. Um, and so that was something that always like. Like we took seriously. Um, and that was a sense of community that we had um, having coffee back then, of course, filled with lots of sh- uh, cream and sugar. Um, but we uh, that was something we did in the morning with our great grandmother. And um, yeah, I kind of just um, held on to that and ran with it.
0: That's so cool. So you kind of have this really sweet connection to your family that way. That's really great. And so, but how did you turn that love of coffee into a business? I mean, how did that evolve?
4: Yeah, so I've always loved coffee. So one of my first jobs actually was at Pete's Coffee and Tea when I was 16. Like from day one, the first day I was like, oh, I, I love this. I'm going to have a coffee shop. I love the people. I love like the experience of coffee, um, you making coffee, learning about it. There's so many different methods and uh, ways you can make your own coffee. And I just love that. I love the staff. I love being around people who were like, you know, uh, dreamers and, you uh, just eclectic. And I I just love that um, aura of being in the coffee shop. It actually took me about almost 20 years from saying, I'm definitely, you know, want to have a coffee shop to actually owning a coffee shop. And it wasn't until my sister Bianca um, had decided she was going to come on board um, and, you know, figure out a way we could actually make this happen, um, that it became more of a reality. And we kind of just, we just took off.
0: Yeah. And you opened Nirvana Soul during the pandemic. What was that like?
4: It took us
1: almost two years from when we decided that we were going to work on this together. And we knew we had some fundraising to do. We literally just started our journey with a Google search of how to open a coffee shop in San Jose. Like it was that rudimentary and we were just taking it step by step. And so by the time we had gotten to 2020, um, our SBA loan closed almost exactly at the time that shelter in place started. And so for us, we were like, okay, they told us we were just going home for two weeks. So by the time we actually do our renovations and open up, everyone will be back to work and everything will be back to normal. So obviously that did not happen, but I think we had a lot of uh, naivete and a lot of um, hope and resilience and just belief that it would be perfectly fine. Um, So it was six months later and most people had not been out of their houses in that entire time. It was their first time they had even been um, outside and it was to come to our shop. And so we had folks that were waiting in line up to three hours, just standing outside Um, And by the time they came in, it was only six people at a time. They were able to really walk around and see what we had created. And everyone has just been really supportive ever since.
0: And and why did you choose San Jose for your first location?
1: We're from San Jose. Yeah, born and raised. Um, So this is home.
0: That's really cool. And your your hashtag is self-care in a cup, which I love. And, you know, bringing people together over coffee is really an important pillar of your business. So What do you see when the community comes together over your coffee in San Jose?
1: I think the coolest thing about our shop is that we have really struggled to peg down our target market even. Because if you come into Nirvana Soul, you're going to see people from all backgrounds, ages, Um, Religion, whatever, like there are just so many different types of people who feel comfortable coming into our shop, which was exactly what we wanted. So that is our mission is to bring people together through the power of coffee and tea. And we want it to be accessible. We want it to be joyful. Um, We didn't want to be an intimidating coffee shop. You know, we want everyone to come in and ask questions, make friends. We've had people find partners there. And it's just like the most fun, cool, comfortable place that you can go. Even if you're like going into a shop by yourself, you know that you're going to be fine going to Nirvana Soul alone because you're going to have a good time and feel welcomed.
0: That's really great. You know, when it comes to coffee, I'm a bit of a basic guy. So I usually go for like a medium roast uh, coffee, not very sweet at all. Just a little, little sugar and maybe a little cream. What should I order?
4: I mean, I I can get you your very basic drink, (laughs) (laughs) but also... um, I would probably challenge you to get, like, maybe an Africano <laughs> or something.
0: Okay. Oh, so describe that. Like, what would that be exactly? Yes.
4: Yeah, so, Africano is has many names. So, you might know it as a Cortado, a Gibraltar. Yeah, just equal parts, espresso, and milk. That
0: sounds delicious. And then what's on the menu for, some, like, you know, those hardcore coffee connoisseurs, like the people who really, like, live coffee and they go all out? What do you got for them?
4: <laughs> Our menu is... Um, really flavorful that you know what i'm saying so it's like we have like a uh, honey lavender but you can also get a banana chai or a white rose which is a white chocolate rose and vanilla so not overly sweet but like more on the sweeter end but of course you can say like medium sweet extra sweet of course it's a good balance between uh the traditional coffee drinkers and the people who um want to experience and I like to say uh, like a little bit of coffee in there, <laughs> cream and sugar. <laughs>
0: oh, yeah. I'm sure you both have drunk your fair share of coffee. So I have to ask you, like, what's your go-to Nirvana soul order?
1: Funny thing is that I started this with Dronica as a non-coffee drinker. And so it's the reason why we have such an extensive tea menu is because Dronica was like, okay, we're not just going to give someone hot water in a tea bag. Like, let's come up with something that's going to be better. And so I have a tea that's actually named after me. It's a bee's tea, which is mint tea, peach syrup, honey, and steamed lemonade. And I drink that almost every single day. But I also love our banana chai. Uh, We have a sweet potato pie latte right now that's seasonal that I'll do as a chai sometimes, too. One of our baristas started doing that, and it's delicious. And I guess lately, I am actually getting more into coffee. I can't stop. It's just so good.
0: What about you, Jeronica?
4: Yeah, so my my two-go drink is going to be an Americano.
0: That's really great. And today, you've actually grown to two shops and a roastery, which is a relatively new venture for you. Was there a a learning curve when you took on sourcing and roasting your own coffee beans?
4: Yeah, absolutely. Because (laughs) I have been in the industry for, I think at that time, like 18 years. And so I had done every position in the coffee shop besides roasting. Um, Yeah, we haven't looked back. I feel like it's been what, two years now and we are very much a a roasting company Um, and we source our beans from all over the world. And just really high-quality coffee, and it's funny that that wasn't something that we set out to do and it ended up doing, and yeah, I'm glad we did. So
1: Wholesale has grown to be such a big and unexpected part of our business, like Dronica said. We thought we were just going to be in the shops, and now we have the opportunity to do so much more.
0: What kinds of beans do you source? What kind of roasting process do you use?
1: Oh, that's such a good question. So I would say right now we are roasting um, and selling some winter coffees. And they're single origins out of Uganda, which is so rare to be able to get those. So they're limited edition and and very exclusive. Um, But this is what our head roaster wants to do. She wants to find rare coffees. We often try to work with farmers that are women or that we have really tight relationships with. Um, So we are as close to the farmers as possible um, to ensure everyone's being paid fairly, treated fairly, Um, and that it's just like a smooth process back to us so that we can roast um, in our facility
4: on our bean machines. If you're ever in the area, we also do roasting tours, so you Mm -hmm. could also come by and see the machine. All
0: right, let's look forward toward the future. What are your goals and hopes for Nirvana Soul moving forward?
4: We are crazy dreamers, and it's funny because I wasn't always that way. I thought I was just going to have one little cute coffee shop Maybe watch too many Hallmark movies in my life. (laughs) And Settles is not even really a small city, but you know, like that's the vibe that I was going for. Um, And Bianca is uh, like, we're going to do this. We're going to shoot for the stars type of person. So she came to me one day and was like, we're going to open up 20 stores. (laughs) So we're on this uh, train um, of opening up these shops and uh, building these relationships. Um, And I think that is you know, the the future of uh, trying to get into as many places as we can um, while learning and growing ourselves. Let's
0: talk for a minute now about your home city. When you're not hard at work, you know, running Nirvana Soul, what are your favorite things to do in San Jose?
4: Some of my favorite um, things to do is to visit um, small local um, business uh, spots, kind of like my own. I like to support them. Um, some of my favorite spaces are... Um, the Hula Kitchen Bar, which is a brother and sister duo. And we love a sibling duo. And they actually had it uh, started off as a food truck. Then they were inside of, they still are inside of the Sharks um, Stadium, um, which is pretty awesome. And then they opened up their own like restaurant moments away from our house. Um, but it's amazing. And I uh, I do highly recommend that spot.
0: Bianca, what about you?
4: Yeah, I'm with
1: Jeronica. I'm often tagging along as little sisters do. And so um, we do visit a lot of coffee shops. We visit um, some of the friends that we have that have opened places. Um, Even if we might not be their exact customer, like a friend of Dronica's opened a barbershop recently. It's not too far from us called Headspace. And so we're always happy to be there and support him and his endeavors Also, I just love that there are some other Black-owned businesses here in San Jose that we can be, like, in company with. So Jackie's Place is a soul food place here that we love. Like, sometimes we just have to have it. And, like, our company meetings and stuff, we are probably going to have Jackie's Place cater that food. It's so good. Uh, If not that, then Backyard, um, which is Caribbean, or Island Taste, which is Caribbean. We're just always trying to make sure that we're supporting each other and, it helps when everything is delicious. So, and then recently, Drunk and I have started going to a place in downtown San Jose that has an awesome happy hour, which is called Relati. And so, we just kind of go in there and talk about the business and everything else, and eat delicious pizza, meatballs, and mozzarella sticks.
0: Oh, that sounds amazing! So, you know, for someone visiting from out of town, can you give us say like the perfect san jose weekend itinerary like what should we see and do while we're there after of course you know we grab a cup of coffee at nirvana soul
1: um i think when people think about san jose they probably yeah think about the coffee now which is awesome because there's a growing coffee scene it's not just us now so there's like um other places nearby i would say even kona zucar has become a place that people are really drawn to they have a big audience and they do cool stuff in their shop And then people also would know San Jose for La Vic. So it's La Victoria and they have an orange sauce that is just delicious. So you can literally buy it by the bottle and you can put it on anything, whether it's their stuff or not. So people often stop by there.
0: Are there any kind of specific neighborhoods or districts uh, in San Jose that would that you'd recommend people to explore kind of for a more immersive experience? Like if you want to you want to feel like the real San Jose, where should where should I go?
1: Oh my gosh, it's such a funny question because I think you would get so many different answers depending on where people are from. Um, So if we're just talking like downtown, I'd still say like San Pedro Square Market is going to be a collection of restaurants and things. And it's walkable. It's near the arena. So like if there's um, a hockey game, like the Sharks game, you'll see so many people over there. There's also like clubs and bars. And so it's kind of the place that people gather to just do things but yeah i, I guess depending like said, it's so spread out so you would have people give you answers about the east side or the south side, or north side. and there's so many folks that are even in those other places that still don't even come into downtown because it's still quite a drive to get from any of those places to where we are
4: it, it just it really is depending on who you ask and and also your lifestyle right so if you're someone that likes to you know bar hop and Downtown, definitely you want to be. in. so, yeah, San Pedro um, is where I will be. Or even like the um, Sofa District where we are, too, because there's some restaurants, again, some more bars over there. And super artsy. So there'll be like a lot of
1: walkable little street festivals. Like now the Juneteenth Festival is hosted in Sofa District. And so they're starting to do more things there where people can perform on stage. Yeah, maybe we need to get out more. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Well, you've given us a lot of really great recommendations. Bianca and Jeronica, this has been really great. I really want a cup of coffee right now on top of everything else. So (laughs) thank you so much for joining us.
4: You're so welcome. Thank you.
0: Bianca Ashaulu and Jeronica Macy are the owners of Nirvana Soul Coffee. They have two locations in San Jose and Cupertino. To learn more about Nirvana Soul and order from their roastery, visit NirvanaSoulCoffee.com. This is California Now. My next guest is chef and restaurateur Joe Lerma Lopez. She's the owner behind the Michelin lauded Luna Mexican Kitchen in San Jose, where her mission is to honor ancestral cooking and share the healing power of food. Joe, welcome to California now.
2: Hello, good morning.
0: So, listen, you were born in San Jose, right? What was it like growing up there?
2: Yes, I was born and raised here in San Jose. San Jose is actually um, a very large place. I think it's the third largest um, city in California, but we have a small town feel.
0: And -hmm. I mean, you have roots. I mean, your mom was born in San Jose too, right? So you have like, your family's been there for a while.
2: Yes. We um, we have deep roots here in San Jose. And I'm very proud to say that because just having this sense of like, this is home. I I feel so comfortable here. And I, I know all the back roads. I don't even use a you know, whatever a GPS, <laughs> we're proud of that. I know all the back roads. <laughs> that,
0: that is so funny. And then, of course, you're running this amazing Mexican restaurant in your hometown where you're drawing inspiration from your own Mexican heritage. I mean, tell us about your family. Some of them immigrated from Mexico to California.
2: So my father actually, his parents came from Mexico. My grandmother and grandfather came in the 1920s. And my dad was born in a small town in California called Hanford, and they came and, uh, to work in agriculture in the fields. And um, my dad's 93 now. Um, he'll be 94 in April, and um, he still likes to go in the backyard and get into the soil and garden. And he teaches me, every time I'm outside, he teaches me something about gardening
0: And, you know, we're going to get into uh, Luna Mexican Kitchen and your life as a chef and restaurateur. But first, I want to go back a little further. So like food and cooking wasn't your first profession, right? I mean, you were in in the music biz.
2: Yeah. So um, my husband and I, um, in our early 20s, he was a DJ and um, he said, I want to open a record store. And I was like, "Okay." And I worked the cashier, uh, you know, ringing people up. We started with 10 records on the wall. 10 vinyl records, and they all came from New York, a lot of the independent labels, and that's how we started. And then built um, this community with the radio stations and doing concerts, um, having in-store autographs. Like we had, like would have MC Hammer come in, and he was like in Oakland, and he would come and sell us 15 records. And it was in the late 80s, early 90s when Um, we started actually putting out our own music and put out our first record in 1989. John heard this song on a San Jose state radio station and signed this group from LA and um, put out their record. And we pressed like 15 of those records. And within that first week we had airplay at hot 97 in New York that's how that all started. And then we just didn't, it just took off and we became this independent record company.
0: What kind of music do you produce at Upstairs Records? I mean, it's still going, right? So who who are some of your artists?
2: So we would put out to English radio, Latino artists to English radio, which this was before like the Latin explosion, which they called it when Ricky Mark, Mark Antonin, <laughs> It was, like, right, it was in the 90s, and I remember they were like, the Latin explosion. I'm like, we've been doing this.
4: <laughs> in my feel
2: Our first record was Girl by Days, and that's the one that actually Hot 97 in New York played. Oh, and then um, we signed a group um, called... Spanish Fly, and there wasn't any Latin artists on English radio. We really felt like we had a responsibility, and we would actually put, we coined uh, the term Spanglish, and we would always want to do, like, a Spanish verse in there to really say, yeah, this is for the Latino audience. So we did that, um, Spanish Fly, uh, Angelina, we put her record out in '97. But with Spanish Fly, we actually did a joint venture with Warner Brothers Records. At that time, I was working this one record, and I did all the radio promotions. And I had 30 radio stations on this one record called Daddy's Home. And it was kind of like a, a classic 1950s, like snap your finger, like a, a rendition of, of the song. In your eyes, yeah, Daddy's home. Daddy's home to stay. And we had 30 radio stations. We had all of these record companies calling us from, you know, all the big majors. And we did a deal with Warner Brothers, which was so interesting. And we learned so much. But at the end, what we learned is we wanted to stay independent. For us, it was really about making a change in the music industry and continuing to keep control of how um, Latino artists at English Radio are represented.
0: So, all right, let's talk about your transition now to food. So when and how did that happen in your life? I mean, here you are running a really successful independent label, and then you switch gears and you go into this whole other, you know, industry.
2: It is scary. And I think that, I think everyone may have that moment where their heart tugs on them and says, I want to do something different. And um, where that came for me is, is because my dad was, you know, all of a sudden you go to the doctor's appointments and they're like, here, take this, you have borderline diabetes, you have um, borderline high blood pressure, your cholesterol looks a little high. And then before I knew it, he was on five different medications. And then I started to just dive deep, you know, and I, I read the one book, Fast Food Nation, I was on a plane and I was like. And just even that little book was just eye-opening. But once you start to dive into food and the dark side of what is really going on, I mean, look, I grew up, when, when I grew up, like we were eating bologna and Kool-Aid and shredded wheats or whatever, like high fructose corn syrup was the big thing, processed food, lots of sugar. But then once I connected that with we need to change the diet and food, and made that connection, I couldn't um, go back. And I think at my core, I just love to nurture people and make people feel good. And so that's what I did. I enrolled in a program out of Berkeley, California. It's called Bowman College. And I was just looking and it said natural chef program. And I looked at and I was like, this is it. This is what I want to do. I enrolled and uh, I always say, I changed my like jimmy chews and christian louboutins for clogs <laughs> and i was like okay these are cute once i went in that classroom and in the kitchen i it felt right and everything aligned for me and i just felt i'm on my path
0: your your motto at luna and kitchen is eat like an ancestor so can can you kind of explain your food philosophy and and how you carry it out at the restaurant
2: What I always say is like, we didn't want to reinvent the wheel. I just wanted to take food back to what was, and and we went thousands of years back to the foundation of our ancestors, which is corn, which is an ingredient that sustained our ancestors. And how are we going to make this masa using the ancient method of nixtamalization this is going to be our foundation. And then when you realize like the labor intensive process, but the beauty of it and the, the smell of the corn when you're grinding it with stone, using your hands to knead the corn, like all of that sets the intention of everything that we're doing in the restaurant.
0: Yeah. I mean, you talk about corn or masa. I mean, it is one of the foundations of your menu. Tell us a little bit more about how you prepare the masa and the ancient methods that you use, like, you know, how do you do it? What's the difference between what you do and what people say find at the grocery store or at another restaurant?
2: First, you want to start with non GMO organic corn. And when we say corn, it's like a hard, dried, big kernel where it just doesn't even look edible. So you want to soak it, put it in water and boil it. But the magic happens when you put it, we call it gal or limestone. It's an alkaline solution. And it's just maybe a couple of teaspoons that breaks down the corn. That is the magic ingredient, boil it. And then you have to like leave it overnight. The next day you kind of just like rub it. You have to rub the corn and then takes out that outer layer. Um, Inside is where you have the most beautiful soft ingredient, which then you put through two stone rocks and then you grind it and then it comes out like this beautiful corn, but then it doesn't stop there. Then you have to knead it for about 45 minutes. And then you create these little balls and then you put it in these presses and you make the tortillas. We hand press all of our tortillas and we cut them, those hand-pressed tortillas, to make our chips, which we cook in um, a clean um, rice brown oil.
0: Say I, say I walked into Luna tonight for dinner. What would you recommend I order?
2: First, you're gonna walk in and you're gonna smell corn tortillas because we have our tortillas. They're right by the door and they're hand-pressing the tortillas, so you're gonna get hungry right away. <laughs> and then, you're going to sit down and it, you're going to have our warm, um, the chips that we make. And uh, we have two salsas so that we just made in-house. Our green salsa, some people refer to it as crack. It's it's like a creamy, green, uh, vegan salsa. And then we do a roasted tomato salsa. I would recommend, um, well, what we're known for really is our parriadas, which is these tabletop, sizzling grills and you can get a mixed grill and if you're a meat eater um, it has carnitas chicken steak lobster garlic buttered shrimp bacon wrapped shrimp on a bed of like these amazing caramelized onions it stays heated so your meat sizzling and then those onions continue to cook and then on the side you have the rancho gordo chato beans, which are chato beans are our house-made chorizo and ham and bacon in there. And it's really like a gallo, like a soup. And then um, our rice and then little like salsa fresca and guacamole sour cream. And then those hand-pressed tortillas that were just pressed go to your table. And then you can make little tacos with that.
0: That sounds unbelievably amazing.
2: Thank you. And you know what I love is that it's about connecting we're all you know, connected through through food and we all wanna break bread together. And I think the, the grill is like this amazing conversation starter, like, oh, do you want the chicken? Do you want the steak? And like, it's people coming together and having a meal together and connecting.
0: Yeah, I mean, it sounds like you're not just serving food, you are creating an experience and memories for yes, people.
2: Yeah, I, I love mean, that, I-, I wanna take that. <laughs>
0: And I'm over here salivating just thinking about that mixed grill. Oh, my gosh. And th- now you also have a pretty extensive cocktail menu. What are some of the crowd favorites?
2: So we do have a Luna Rita, which is our margarita. We serve it frozen or on the rocks. And then we have it in like this cactus margarita glass. It's just very, you know, old school. Also, you could do a, like a sangria or you can do, um, we have a lychee, um, margarita, a mango um, habanero one, and then um, a hibiscus. A crowd favorite is like a paloma, which is served in this clay glass. And it really is tequila and fresh grapefruit and then like a grapefruit soda. It's a really classic drink, very easy, simple.
0: I'm curious, did any family recipes end up on the menu or are they all Joe Lerma Lopez originals?
2: The one thing that I was like an homage to my dad is he loved little taquitos like little with potato inside and it's called um tacos dorados and um my grandmother would make them for my dad they're fried so they're like um taquitos like little crispy and when he would eat them he would i would watch him and he turned into like this 10 year old boy eating this little taco with potato inside and it made him so happy
0: that is so sweet and and those are still on the menu
2: Yo yeah, oh yeah, taco Those are like they sell like crazy. <laughs> yeah.
0: But I, you know, I wanted to switch gears for a moment before we let you go, uh, to ask you about your San Jose. So like when you're not cooking or running the restaurant, what are your favorite things to do in San Jose?
2: I'm pretty simple. I love there's a place called um, in Almadén called Quicksilver hiking. It's such a great I can get there in 20 minutes. And it's an incredible hike. And then you just can, you you look at the valley and how beautiful it is. There's a little area in San Jose called Willow Glen, is, which is, like I say, my hood. It's where I grew up. And there's just all these great restaurants and coffee shops and little vintage um, stores. And my favorite is this, it's called the Thrift Box. And I've actually found some incredible cookbooks in there. I just love like vintage shops or antique shops.
0: Are there other restaurants in San Jose that you enjoy or maybe are inspired by?
2: Um, there's this really great deli called La Villa in my neighborhood, and they've been around forever. And their raviolis just take you to childhood. They are magical. And a little fun fact about La Villa is they are the official uh, deli for um, the San Francisco 49ers. And um, they make sandwiches for the, um, the teams coming in. So they do catering for them. And um, they also make sandwiches for the sharks when they go off on, the play- on their plane. I think everyone should go to La Villa. It's like this great little old school Italian deli.
0: That's great. Joe, if I were to come to San Jose for, say, a weekend, what one thing should I absolutely not miss?
2: Well, besides coming to Luna. Right, of course. (laughs) Um, I think our downtown, our downtown San Pedro Square, it's lively, Um, our live music downtown. And there's a lot of great restaurants um, in the downtown area. There's uh, museums. If you bring in the kiddos, the, the, the Children's Discovery Museum is spectacular. It's a great place to visit. Um we have a lot to offer here. And um if you want to go shopping, I would say Santana Row. Um it's it's um it's a beautiful outdoor. It feels like you're it's like a European vibe. It's really gorgeous. So I would recommend that.
0: Sounds like San Jose has a lot going on and so much to do. I might need more than a weekend.
2: Yeah, for sure. <laughs> <You
0: will. laughs> well, Joe, thank you so much for being on the show. It was really great having you on. Thank you. Joe Lerma lopez is the chef and owner at Luna Mexican Kitchen in San Jose. To learn more about Joe's food philosophy and her restaurant, visit lunamexicankitchen.com. That's lunamexicankitchen.com. This is California Now. My next guest has his finger on the pulse of all things creative in San Jose. Daniel Garcia is the founder and editor of Content Magazine, which features the stories of innovation in arts and culture throughout Silicon Valley. Daniel, welcome to California Now.
3: Hi, Sisterius, Thank you so much for having me on. This is fun.
0: Absolutely. So, you know, Daniel, let's start with a little bit about you. I mean, you grew up in San Jose, right? So what was it like growing up there?
3: Yeah, I mean, I grew up over what you call the East Side, which is kind of at that particular time, there was tons of orchards and apricot orchards. My first job was picking apricots. Uh, the tech boom happened and computers kind of came out, but I really wasn't uh, interested in that, or I didn't actually know that it would be such an impact on the world, so I didn't pay attention to that. Somehow, I became a photographer instead. <laughs> Tell us more about how you
0: got started as a photographer and, and the role that your
3: hometown, you
0: know kind of played in that development.
3: Yeah, it's kind of interesting. I mean, I was at high school, Silver Creek High School, and, you know, I kind of stumbled into photography. I had a girlfriend that was going to be in yearbook for our senior year, and she said, oh, why don't you be on yearbook? And I said, well, you know, I I can't write, and I'm pretty bad with words and all that kind of stuff. She goes, well, be a photographer. They don't do anything. And I was like, okay, that's my kind of thing. (laughs) So then I just uh, went around. San Jose really got the bug for it, went around San Jose and I drove all over the place, took pictures and, you know, like as they were building new kind of like construction sites and actually even downtown the Fairmont San Jose, when they were building it, I would jump over the fence and climb up to the top and take pictures of different things. That's really cool. In a way, you kind of almost like documented the development of
0: Silicon Valley, it sounds like
3: yeah you know, I just it was fun. I just had a show uh, in last May of some of my old negatives from that time period that I never really printed. And yeah, one of the a couple of the shots that I had were these kind of like little abstract construction things that I did from the convention center that was actually the new convention center that was being built. Can you talk about the the creative community in San Jose? I mean, what kinds of artistic work happens there? You know san jose is is really an interesting place because um there's so many subgroups within. San Jose that are doing great work. I mean, you have the graffiti scene, but then there's the skate scene, there's the music scene. And then because of the diversity, there's also just all kinds of different um, ethnic genres that are going on. But then there's a lot of people doing stuff here that are really kind of like under the radar. And so there's some great galleries here that are popping up. Collide Gallery is kind of like an independent gallery that's run by Brian and Cherry who run Ado Domini, which is kind of like their contemporary art Um, well actually hyper contemporary art so you can find some like on a first friday you can find some uh, really super international cutting edge art and then right next door you can see what's going on with the local scene and that's kind of like a incubator for artists to kind of like get into a gallery setting and move it around but then there's empire seven which was started by juan carlos who was a graffiti painter who just started to rent a warehouse and then his friends were like hey can we do a show in here and then that kind of exploded and then there's a newer gallery, uh, Cultural One that's run by uh, Andrew Espino, and they're showing kind of more of the Latino um, graffiti work. But there's the Citadel that's been around for, I don't know, maybe 30 years. that has all these local artists that are doing incredible work. There's this Russian woman who does incredible drawings. And yeah, there's just it's, it's kind of hard to even put a pinpoint on what the scene is like here because it's diverse it's kind of underground. If you're not kind of in the know, you would think like, oh, there's nothing going on, but there's actually a lot under the surface going on. I would
0: really love to hear more about content magazine. Explain a little bit about what it is and
3: what kinds of topics it covers. Um, Yeah. So content magazine, I started content magazine in 2012 because I started running into a lot of artists that I felt like weren't getting the recognition, you know, kind of like what I was saying, there's a lot of stuff going on under the scenes or the current or whatever the metaphor is um, that weren't getting recognized. So I was like, you know, let's just tell the stories. Did it for about three years um, on my own trying to wrangle in advertisements and whatever I could so that I could cover the cost of the print and the shipping. But then we merged in 2015 with uh, SV Creates, which is a nonprofit arts organization. We feature, you know, anywhere from traditional kind of like painters to musicians to uh, theater groups. And then we always try to do somebody who's doing the intersection between kind of like art and shaping culture. So if it's um, a poetry group or if it's a group that's working with the youth to kind of give them access to the arts and kind of like find their identity through art uh, and their expression, so we do that. So it's kind of across the board. And, you know, of course, I I use the creative culture rather than like the arts because, you know, a, a chef is also a creative and, you know, doing art. I try to cover and we try to feature people that are just doing cool stuff who don't really get recognized I love that broad definition of
0: creative or creativity uh, because it actually it, it's absolutely true I mean an engineer
3: can be a creative yeah and I try to like I try to do or I, I call it you know like a mix-up or a mashup like I always try to have somebody who's either early in their career with somebody who's kind of more established and I try to have somebody who may be like you know like an opera singer with a rapper the cover of a magazine always tells you a lot about that
0: magazine. So what's on the cover of the latest issue and why?
3: Yeah, the, this latest issue is, is Ben Henderson, with the one that's currently out now, the winter issue. And Ben Henderson is an incredible, talented guy who's been in San Jose doing music and then sign painting uh, for you know a number of years. I'm not even... I don't even know how long, but for a while. And so um, when we were doing his story, I thought, oh, it would be great for him to do something on the cover. So he did, um, you know, a hand painting, kind of like his interpretation of content and what's inside. So, so it's kind of cool. And so then I'm, you know, super honored that Ben Henderson did our cover.
0: Can you tell us a little bit about some of the other like San Jose based features in the latest
3: issue? Yeah. In this current issue, um, we have... Uh, artist Miguel Machuga, who we've actually kind of featured him before in a video, but we never did a uh, full spread on him. And he has this incredible, great, large work that he does um, in charcoal. Um, and he kind of shows, and is, I think he's represented at One Culture um, Gallery with Andrew Espino. And so he really has such a unique style. He's from Mexico originally, and he came to the United States. And um, his story is really fascinating. I mean, he had kind of like a, a medical crisis and it kind of like changed his his thinking and who he was and so he kind of represents that in his paintings and they're large and the photo spread is awesome stan owalski is one of our photographers has been with us for a long time did a great kind of like photo interpretation where uh, miguel's standing in front of one of his paintings and the ray of lights coming in you know san jose is very lucky to have your magazine i mean not every
0: town has a kind of a champion of the creative art scene. And you have a podcast too. tell us a little bit about that and and how people can listen to it.
3: Yeah, you can go to content-magazine.com and look for the podcast link. Um, It's on Spotify, too. I I mean, one of the reasons I started the magazine is that I just I just love people. Right. And so I think being like a photographer, a portrait photographer, fashion photographer for a while, like you just get to I just love hanging out with people. So um, the podcast is just a continuation that we started in the pandemic. You know, everything, everything shut down. I was kind of worried like, okay, are we going to be able to even put together the next issue? Because how are we going to get our photographers to go and how the writer's going to do it? And I said, you know what? I'm wondering what everybody's doing. So I'm just going to start a podcast. Yeah.
0: So Daniel, let's talk about your San Jose now. You know, like where do you go and what do you do around the city that inspires your own creative endeavors?
3: I love soccer. So, you know, I'm an Earthquakes fan since, you know, the beginning. They're celebrating their, I think their 50th year. I think it is. Ooh, dang. So soccer is the way that I just kind of get out and physically run and then go into the quakes and all that kind of stuff is just kind of fun with that whole community thing. But then as a photographer, you know, I'll do my little photo walks. And then what's super fun is because I live so close to South First Street where there's, you know, the Institute of Contemporary Art, Makla, the Quilt Museum, Addo Domini, Collide. There's like all these galleries and even the break room for jazz, right? You know there's like this kind of like incredible places that i can go and i could dip in at any moment and then see some incredible art you know viewing art and listening to music you know it kind of awakens your sensitivity to kind of like the beauty in the world and so you know i'm super blessed just to be able to walk down the street or walk out of my office or even sometimes when i'm in my office the break room, San Jose Jazz is kind of like performance places in our same building. And then they're rehearsing. That is just so awesome to have like live jazz playing while I'm thinking about layouts or who I might feature in the next issue. So, you know, I'm just really blessed to be having like a be kind of saturated in a community where I can take in all these kind of different expressions from other people. And that really gets me going.
0: What are, like, one or two hidden gems that you always point visitors toward
3: when they're in town? Well, there's a lot. But uh, I think if I was going to look at gallery type, where you're going to see art, um, I love uh, Empire 7 because it's such a local place. It started, like I said, with Juan Carlos. Um, just kind of like doing his own artwork. And now, um, you know, the building was even taken down and then they turned this old warehouse and then, but they gave them a space in there so they still have a gallery there. And so they do incredible work. And then I think one culture with with Andrew's doing on Santa Clara Street is an incredible gallery that really focuses on Latino art, which is, is really cool. So those are great, great places. But the one, another one that I kind of pick out that always people are kind of like, really? And it's the, the San Jose Quilts and Textile Museum. When you think about quilts, I mean, I grew up around you know sewing, and my mom actually is a quilter, and my aunts and all that kind of stuff. So, textile art is is really beautiful, and some people are doing some incredible things with. Um, not just fabric but just tangible objects and they're manipulating and shaping and telling a story I mean there was stuff that they did about gun control and and some people were doing some things like braiding things together with bullets and Ryan Carrington who's a professor at Santa Clara University had a show that he did things with nails and like the snap lines that you chalk lines that you use for in construction um, to do like these patterns Um, and then he made flags out of old nursing uniforms and jeans and and ties from businessmen you know it's a whole different experience than you would think so i think that is that's probably one of the the interesting gems that are around other than you know those other places that i talked about but definitely the citadel if you get opportunity the fuse gallery um, they don't always have shows but around first friday they do and the art arc which is kind of a little further down I don't know. And then there's great theater groups, especially like the paratheater, Theater, which is up in Mountain View, City Lights and the Stage, which are right across the street from each other. Pretty much always have incredible theater programs. There's open mic nights that are happening like at Nirvana Soul and Mama K. I mean, the list goes on. The improv even has opened up their doors to let some local people with Mighty Mike McGee and Otto to have like open mic nights. And there's a lot there's a lot of fun stuff going on pretty much every night, every day. That's great.
0: And, you know, here at California now, we always love to go where the locals go. So, you know, tell us, where do the people of San Jose go for a
3: great meal? There are so many places. I mean, I have my favorite. I'll just give you my favorite, which is Pastizos. Odega's um, kind of more uh, fine, casual, I guess you'd call it, on First Street with Jessica and David, the chefs there. Yeah, they have a steak sandwich that is just so incredible. And it's always just amazing. I don't know how David does it because it's just kind of, it's like a filet mignon on a on a bread. And then maybe some garlic, but it's just so juicy and so great. And then they have these tempura green beans and um, this mushroom rice. Um, it's just, good. I mean, I really, I really love it. And then um, like if I was going to go more casual, then I'd probably go to Capaque, which is a Mexican restaurant. Um, that's been around for a super long time, but they have just really great stuff. So let's just go grab some great chips and salsa and a burrito or flautas or something like that. Then I'll go to Talacapake. One of the newer places is Foxtail Fermentation. I think that they are. I mean, they've kind of opened up in the last. I think post pandemic, they were actually doing pop ups and before the pandemic, and then they uh, were brewing and like think selling out of the back of their car or something like that, um, <laughs> legally of course. Um, and then they just opened up their shop. Yeah, maybe uh, two years ago. I know that they just had an anniversary, and um, you know that's they have like I said, they have a great selection of beer, and they also do different fermentation, so they do pickling, right? So you can get kimchi, or you can get pickles, or you can get kombucha, you can get some other stuff, kind of anything that's kind of like, you know, done through kind of like the fermentation process they have. So it's really unique, and it's great. And then they always have like local art on their walls too. So I think that that would be a newer spot that I think is really cool, and I think it's really taking hold. Definitely worth uh, a visit. Yeah. You know, Daniel,
0: this has been really great. Thank you so much for joining us.
3: Yeah, thank you for having me. I really appreciate it.
0: Daniel Garcia is the founder and editor of Content Magazine in San Jose. To learn more about Daniel and his work, visit content-magazine.com. This is California Now. Thank you for listening to California Now. We hope to see you in the Golden State soon. This podcast is produced by Visit California. I'm your host, Soterios Johnson. Our producer is Kate Eppelboim. Jessica Marshall is our technical lead. John Godfrey is our editorial director. And the theme song is by Aaron Taus. Additional music by Casey. You can find our show on Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you want to learn more about the hidden gems of San Jose and other amazing California destinations, check out our new 2024 California Visitor's Guide. Download or order your free copy today at VisitCalifornia.com.